Upstream with Jim and John, father and son conversations about discipleship and culture in the Pacific Northwest. I'm John. And I'm Jim. And today we're going to talk about an episode I'm calling Johnny Get Your Gun. <laughs> Jonathan has been on the uh, decision path of uh, buying a gun. And mm-hmm. so it, it actually took you into this whole journey of questions, practical, theological, emotional. And we're going to walk through all that. Yeah. And, uh, give you a glimpse into the quagmire that is Jonathan's decision-making process. Yeah, basically imagine me in like a turtleneck <laughs> and I'm standing on like the boardwalk in Olympia just looking out at the water, thinking about my life. And guns. And, and guns. That's that's the past two weeks. Wow. Yeah. You have, Do you actually own a turtleneck? No, I don't. I actually, I think the, the few times I've worn them when I was, I don't remember when I would have, but I have, yeah. I have a memory of them being too, like, like feeling oh, uncomfortable. Just like choking. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Same feeling when you have like a tight tie. I hate it. Yeah, me too. I actually, uh, in, when I was in high school, this is a glimpse into my bizarre upbringing. Mm-hmm. I owned a mock turtle. A mock turtle. Yes. It is a turtleneck that only stops right here. <laughs> It's like a cloth underneath your shirt that makes it look like you're wearing a turtleneck under your shirt. It's called a mock turtle. Were they expensive? Why couldn't you just have a real turtleneck? I have no idea. My mother gave it to me. My mother handled most of my wardrobe far too long in my life. She managed what my hair should look like. Man. Um, Yeah. And I didn't care, so. Well. Yeah. I mean, you were stylish. There's a therapy session there somewhere. Yeah, no kidding. The mock turtle. Yeah. So, uh, welcome to episode 54, by the way. And um, we're just excited to have you here. So let's get going. First, it's uh, story time, John, and it's your week. It's your week to tell a story. It is my week. Uh, keeping with the theme, I thought I would tell guns. Guns, yeah. Okay. I thought I would tell of the only fight I've ever been in. You've been in one fight your whole life. I didn't if, know you'd even been in one. If you could call it that, I used it was, it was like a guerrilla tactic fight. It was a strike and retreat. <clears throat> okay, now this isn't the picture we have of you laying on the ground in pain while Tim's over you laughing at you. No, that was that more, was not a fight. That was more than likely an accident. Mm. There are a few of those. Uh, so at, on an undetermined trip, and I'm racking my brain because I feel like I've told this before on the podcast. If I have, please forgive me. I'm, yeah. I'm losing it. Just blame blame quarantine. Uh, on some trip at an un, uh, unknown time of my life, I was mm. very young. I have no memory of the trip around this moment. Uh, we had uh, adjoining hotel rooms mm. for the family for mm-hmm. the, for this trip. And that's uh, one thing when you have a family of seven, you can't just rent one hotel room. It makes it makes road trips expensive. Sounds super expensive. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for whatever we were all getting ready for the day or something. I don't I honestly have, have no recollection of, of the context. But uh, but Tim was there. Tim is my brother. He's eight years older than I am. And uh, and uh, my best friend, one of my best friends. And uh, um we were getting ready, and I found a shoehorn in the in the <laughs> closet of one of the hotel rooms uh, because they just came stock with them. I guess never had to use a shoehorn in my whole life either. That's interesting. As big yeah. as your feet are, I'm surprised. Well, they'd probably make my life easier. I don't have one. Mm. Maybe I should look into that. I own about five shoehorns. I have I have them everywhere because I really value them. Of course, I sold shoes in high school, so that's when I learned the value of the shoehorn. Sure, and will never go the rest of my life without one. Well, you also dress nicer more often than I do. Anyway, shoehorn has a lot of torque to it, a lot of a uh, lot of bend to it, mm-hmm. and for whatever reason, I I walk up and I'm a lot shorter <laughs> at this time, and I just flick 
my brother's uh, uh, sensitive area with it. Just bonk. His nether regions. His nether regions, yeah. Like a, like a, just like a soft <laughs> thwack. And, uh, I'm sure it was not soft. Well, here's, the thing is, if you're a woman, you're like, that doesn't sound that bad. Yeah. It doesn't take much. It, it, does, it yeah, takes hardly anything It's an extremely delicate area. <laughs> yeah. And so then he chases and me. Especially with the, if the if the percussion is placed in exactly the right spot, which right. you randomly must have struck. Yeah, must have. And so uh, then he's chasing me around these two hotel rooms, threatening to beat me up. And I'm just screaming, <laughs> running around, climbing over the beds. And one of you uh, uh, saved me. So if you're I, welcome. Yeah, thank you. If my memory serves, that is the only fight, if you could call it that, that I've ever been in. And uh, and I came out okay. You know? Yeah, yeah. He didn't. He didn't fare as well as you did. <laughs> no. Later on, uh, I can't remember much about this one either. I was I was a lot older. We were living in Colorado. I was probably in like late grade school, maybe fifth grade. And Tim was boxing, and uh, uh, just as like a hobby, he picked up hobbies every now and again. And there were these boxing gloves laying around, and uh, and he said, <laughs> he said, well, let's fight. And uh, so we both got our gloves on. <laughs> this is probably the better story. Anyway, it's just shorter. And, uh, and he just gets me right in the gut, and it was over. And I was just, like, laying on the ground. <laughs> he just me in the stomach. Uh, yeah. That's hilarious because with those same boxing gloves, and Tim listens to the podcast, so he's going to be enjoying these stories. Yeah. Uh, he put he and I put them on down in the basement. And um, we were messing around, and our rule was you can't hit in the face. Mm-hmm. And um, I was going for a little bit of an uppercut, and he ducked downward Ooh. at the same time, and I hit him right square in the face, right Ouch. around the jaw, and he was furious. Yeah, his mind, I did it on purpose, and yeah. Uh, so that was the end of our boxing match. I think it lasted about <laughs> ninety seconds. I can imagine seeing your guys' foosball matches. I can only imagine how he did an actual <laughs> boxing match would have been. Uh, so anyway, point being. Never been in a real fight. Oh, okay. So I guess today is the violence issue. Is this you said it's it's, it's a segue just, into your story? I so figured there was that was a related yeah. a related story. So marginally related. So this is about. So you're looking for a fight when you when you buy a gun. Is this, well, and that's the so uh, to preface the whole thing. This is a um, a personal conviction idea, not a civil law idea. And and you're not trying to say. I'm going to solve the thinking every Christian should have about right. guns. Right. Not even a little. You're bit. just trying to process your own thinking about guns. Yeah. And to to show my hand, I am I'm I'm pro Second Amendment. Um, and uh, and I I understand the role they play in our in our society as as America in in the power structure of of the American um, of the the design of it. The reason they're in the Constitution in the first place. Mm. I I um, I'm all for that. In the same way, I'm for a lot of things that I would never actually personally engage in. So. Um, but when I think about the, uh, civil or, or sorry, the, um, the convictions of a, of a Christian being, being of the kingdom before they're of, before they're American, Mm -hmm. they are citizens of the kingdom first. And I think about, um, our biblical heroes in the new Testament and, um, and violence is, is, uh, uh, never condoned in the new Testament as far as I know, without, without exception, there's Mm -hmm. a, uh, he condones preparation in a, in a verse we'll talk about here soon. But, uh, um, when I think about, you know, Paul here today, I have an easier time with it. You know, the whole thing is what would Jesus do? And we want to be like Jesus. I have a harder time thinking about that because he's a deity. He's God. So well, you, you can't, there. you can't imagine Jesus having a gun in his hand, but right. you can't imagine him telling a joke. You can't imagine him having sex with his wife. Of course he was never married, but if right. he were, you would still go like, what is that even possible? Exactly. That's what I think about Paul. So time. yeah, it's easier to think about a different person than Jesus with this. And so, uh, 
to set the narrative, I had always assumed uh, that when I got a house, I would have we'd have a gun for for defense. I, I and I'd never imagined I would really carry it like like concealed carry, uh, just because I uh, um, I don't know. It doesn't sound it sounds stressful to me. To conceal carry, yeah, to have it on your person, the 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 responsibility of it. Uh, so let me let me pause here just for a second for a little bit broader please, context yeah, sure. because um, you did not grow in a home with guns. No, um, Sue and I have never owned one. We have a, a twenty-two revolver with an octagon barrel. It's a really cool little gun. It's actually a, an heirloom. Nineteen oh seven, this gun was made. Dang. And it's an eight-shot revolver for twenty-two that belonged to Sue's father's grandfather, so her great-grandfather. And um, uh, I actually have thought multiple times about buying a gun, and I have thought about concealed carry. Um, but uh, you didn't grow up in a home with guns. Mm-mm. You have a brother who likes to shoot. You have a brother-in-law who likes to shoot. And you enjoy shooting the yeah. times that we've gone shooting. So, um, but, but it's interesting. I'm trying to get my arms around the framework of your thinking. Cause yeah, you said, I, I whenever, jumped in pretty deep. Yeah. Whenever I, I always thought whenever I owned a home, I would have a gun, mm-hmm. which Im- implies in my thinking that you're talking about say, uh, about, uh, security for your home. Yeah. That was always the, the, <clears throat> the thought of it. And, and, and it is a, a hobby for a lot of people. It's not inherently, um, yeah. Um, now you, you, but you said I would never conceal carry. So you feel like you have the need for security in your home, but not in your car or in your, although you did say if I went camping, I would take it with me and maybe on a road on trip, how, maybe how rural it was or, yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess the thought is that, uh, the, the objective, if I were ever in a situation where I would need a gun is to, is to, to protect, to protect it and to cease. So, uh, um, in a home, you can't really fling isn't always an option. That's why I'd have it in home in public. Um, I would hope that I'd be able to flee and call the authorities. That's, that's serpentine, the exactly. serpentine, exactly. Yeah, so they can't hit you. Uh, and all this prefaced, <laughs> yeah, because I'm a great runner and, and, and lightning fast. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard for people to hit something they can't see. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I don't. The the odds of this happening is um, is um, slim. But let me. So, so the process was, um, I figured, well, uh, uh, jump the gun is five man. I'm not. It's not even worth it. <laughs> Uh, let's just go ahead and, and look into what gun I, I would get. So, uh, so I, I do the research and, and, and yeah, I have, again, not raising a home with guns. My brother-in-law uh, has uh, lots and lots, lots of, guns. of guns and we would go shooting. It was very fun. Uh, good bonding with him. Lots of good memories of that. And, um, and, uh, so anyway, I just started doing this research and I, I, pick one that I think I want. And then I start thinking about the, um, the ethics of it, uh, as far as the, um, I don't know, the, the responsibilities and, and unique teachings we have really was an issue of, of if I was all in on understanding the, or, or, or in the, the kingdom and the, the spirit and the power of God. And it, and it really, it evolved into this, this problem that, or, or, um, question that I have about sovereignty. Mm and uh practicality and sovereignty and right. is preparing an admission of a fear a mistrust in the sovereignty yeah. of god is it does it is it indicative of a lack of faith to be that prepared uh because it is a um it is preparation of a of a fear inherently or of a risk yeah um, so let me yeah. pause one one more second because um to to just give a little more context to how far this has been processing in your heart you actually stood in a gun shop the other day and 
chose the gun you're going to get if you know when this time comes. Yeah, and I've done lots of googling. Yeah, and so you've done lots of homework. You actually stood in the gun shop and decided I'm going to walk away for now until I've resolved. I want to make sure I'm doing this with total clarity in my mind and heart. And so that's really what you're seeking is to get through this thinking so that you can, with absolute clarity in your heart and mind, know why you're getting a gun, what it, what statement it's making to your own soul, what it's making to God, and how you might or might not be willing to use the gun. Is that all kind that's, of right? That's exactly it. And, um, and really was, and again, this is not at all a, this is, I had a burning question. That's what the podcast is about. Yeah. We figured we'd talk about it. So yeah. if, this is no um, um, affirmation or condemnation of your, of the listener's actions. Um, it uh, is good, though, that we, this is one example of all the time we make decisions. For me, it wasn't buying a gun. For me, it was birth control. Oh, interesting. As a young Christian, you know, um, I was struggling with um, birth control. Mm-hmm. And um, in particular, uh, vasectomy. Mm. So um, I kept asking all my Christian friends who had had vasectomies, <laughs> um, how did you get through processing your faith with that? And they were all like, what are you talking about? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't want to have any more kids. Yeah. And I was like, well, do you think God wants, is God done giving you kids? You know, uh, this is a, this is a serious thing because you're stopping something God has innately designed. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had a hard time and I would not proceed with a, uh, birth control decision until I had reconciled what it what it was between God and I and what I was saying to God and what I thought God was saying to me. Yeah. So this is a very similar thing. And, and it's good to model this. This is a gun example, but it's still modeling how uh, sincerely we ought to reflect on the things we do. And it's the same question of my authority and autonomy in my life. Yeah. And and the and God's and tr- authority over you. Exactly. And, you know, you look at uh, um, a lot of cultures that believe that don't believe in birth control as as a, a right thing to do. And they end up having lots and kids. lots of kids. You yeah. know, that's just how it goes. So yeah. it's it really um, I don't know of a couple <laughs> who doesn't use birth control and trust in God and they only have three kids. Right. You know. Right. So uh, um, I guess and, and the big aha was when I was uh, doing the uh, the research and I was and I was um, I was excited about it. And, and I've had the aha that um, I think most of this was because guns are cool. To me, I find them cool. Mm-hmm. They're I, they're interesting. They don't cool intimidate looking. you uh, to not, own one. You don't have any fear of right, having one in the house or mismanaging one. Or, not in a general sense. And I don't have any. Um, you don't have any kids or anything. That would probably make me a little mm-hmm. more nervous as, as far as uh, preparing and, and right. keeping it uh, locked up and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I uh, was you know taught a decent amount of gun safety by uh, Brian and uh, but the uh, the thought of the responsibility of a gun and uh, and the the trust. There's a line in the book of No Country to Old Men or No Country for Old Men. I still need to read the or watch the movie, but I uh, read the book and there's this uh, lawman who talks about how he's with a long line of lawmen in Texas and how his uh, grandfather didn't carry a gun. How mm. the, the neighborhood was so was was so he was so familiar with it and he had so much faith in it that as a sign to his to his people and to the community, even though he was a lawman, he was the sheriff of the town or of the the county and carried no weapon, no weapon on his, on his hip and uh, and the this character laments that he can't do that. And, uh, and at the time I was like, well, the, they're, they're cowboys. They're the whole, it's a modern day Western. So the whole point of the book. And I was like, well, a cowboy without a gun, what even is that? And it's this thing, you know, <laughs> and it, and really it is, it's a cool idea. And it, I realized that it's a, um, the, the culture around the gun is so, um, fetishistic. Sometimes it is, it is, uh, 
it can be obsessive. And, and this idea of uh, of the gun as an idol of safety. I have the and gun power. and power. I have the gun. I am now safe. I'm now more powerful than whoever could come and try and take my stuff or, mm-hmm. or hurt me or my family. Um, and so, and the idea of God being that for us in the first place, not, not in our power, but in the power of him and in sure. the safety of him. This, and so really big picture kind of stuff. Yeah. So you have the episode in the old Testament where, you know, the house is surrounded. There's multiple mm-hmm. episodes like this and, you know, we're going to kill you. And they, God strikes them all blind or they have the, they, you know, open his eyes, Lord, and they have the chariots of fire up on the ridge. And those totally. who are with us are more than those who are against us. And the supernatural rescue of God and the power of God. And and modern day, there's, you can, I'm sure you, hopefully you can help me out with this. Because it's another one of those stories I remember you hearing when I was younger. And I have no context for it. But there was this missions family who was in this um, uh, tough neighborhood. And I, I forget the context, but they were in danger for a night. Yeah, Mike Powell in Mexico. Mm. And and the dog, the, the yeah, four four yeah they 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 had had death threats and just some stuff going on, and he got up in the middle of the night to look around, and there were four Dobermans in the four corners of their property facing outward, and standing at attention like guard dogs, and he didn't have any dogs, yeah, and the next morning they were gone. That's just crazy. Yeah, that is so crazy. Yeah. And so, but we do know of missionaries in the Philippines whose house houses were broken into. A bunch of girls from the school were at a slumber party, and they were all raped and beaten. Um, so this, you know, we live in a very depraved, very dangerous world. And so yeah. there's the tension of safety and the tension of faith. This mm-hmm. is where you're you're trying to figure this out. Yeah, th- yeah. I'm kind of um, drowning in it. <laughs> um, and a, and a big part of this was uh, was I'd always assumed that if I was a bachelor, you know, if I was like, if I if I didn't get married for a while, I probably wouldn't have a gun because it's harder to justify when I'm only defending myself. Um, um, with the rhetoric in the Bible of putting others above yourself, love your neighbor like yourself, mm-hmm. um, and the um, I don't know, I guess like if you're doing the the spiritual math, which is it doesn't really follow those rules anyway, but um, that it would be worth it to to lose your life over whoever killed you. Maybe they would find their way to God eventually or whatever. And with dependence with, with a wife or with kids, it wouldn't be that way because, um, because that they're your responsibility at that point for as for, in regards to safety. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because are you not, is it not your responsibility to protect yourself? I don't, it doesn't seem that when I, and again, looking at these cases, it doesn't seem that way. It seems that they are these, these men su- subject themselves below other men for the sake of the kingdom. So, yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated by, so far we have a couple of giant topics. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is, is, is it a statement of non-faith to own a gun? Is it a statement of saying, God, I know you said you'd protect me, but I'm not sure I believe that. Um, or maybe you're telling me, yes, I'm going to protect you and be smart. Yeah. You know, drive your car. I'm going to, I'm going to protect you, but drive your vehicle in a safe manner. Right. But that's not that's on the offense. That's the side yeah, that's pro actual, yes, yeah. versus the defense. And so I'm 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 fascinated by that conversation, which would be similar to um should a Christian have life insurance? Hmm. Um should a Christian participate in social security? You know, are we should trusting they have savings? Yes. Yeah. Do we trust God? Uh you know, shouldn't we give away every penny and not save a save any money? And so this is a this has lots of fingers to it. But then this other notion of you shouldn't, and I, we're, I'm just, I shouldn't use the word should. <laughs> sure. 
But in, I'm hearing you say I should not own a gun to protect myself if I'm a bachelor living alone. Then I should um, offer my life in real time in the hands of God. And mm-hmm. so um, to take extra measures to protect myself, to hurt another rather than allow uh, an, an enemy to hurt me. Yeah. Um, that you feel that's a, in your mind, that seems like a pretty clear violation. I would not do that. And it felt like it to me. And part of this was, I didn't think about these deeply until I was in the process, right? Yeah, it was yeah. a, it was more of a, I'll deal with that later. And then yeah. I was, I'm here now and now I'm actually struggling with it. So, and I, I, I don't know, I won't speak to any other bachelors. It seemed, it seemed simpler to me as a bachelor to figure out this equation than with, um, than with people who you are responsible for, uh, because I don't want to make that call for them, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it's, um, I don't know. You just hear, cause, cause I think about the, the scenario in the head is, um, you hear someone trying to break in, you, you, uh, you get your gun or you prepare to fight them or whatever. Right. Uh, and there are these examples of just this completely backwards thing. There was, um, this story of uh of and I'm pretty sure you told me this one too of this uh woman who uh um a man broke into her house is in the process of raping her she lives there alone mm-hmm. she's an older one. I think her her husband had died soon before this and she starts praying for him as he's raping her and witnessing to him and witnessing to him and he telling he, him how much God loves him how God has a plan for his life how all the terrible things that have happened to him God can heal and and he gets off of her and begins to sit in a corner and cry mm-hmm and so she uh, comforts him. She says, I have to call the police, but I would love to fix you dinner. You know, would you? And so she, while the police are on their way, she makes him a bowl of soup or something and ends up speaking for him at his trial. But, um, but you know, these are radical, crazy examples. Exactly. And this was the thing where I was like, how? And this is the, a similar conversation we had to the coin in the fish's mouth. Mm-hmm. How radical does your life become with that understanding of the world? Mm-hmm. And how different does it look? Uh, because obviously, um, if she had had a gun and she shot this man, I... You would not, you would not criticize Not even a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be a... That would be a, a successful scenario where she prevented herself from getting raped. Right. And But with this this kingdom perspective, a thing that makes no sense at all, she actually really, really won. Mm-hmm. That was a victory that mm-hmm. was there. Mm-hmm. So thinking of it in those terms is really, um, I don't, because I don't want to find, my, I don't want to find myself with a, with a, uh, an invader in the home. And again, um, small likelihood. Uh, but you try, you try and think about the scenario and, th- and, and it, with the possibilities of God involved and what that would look like. I don't know. And, and if it's rambly, that's because my mind is rambly right now. So listeners, forgive me. Uh, no, I'm, I'm loving this because it is giving us a glimpse into the turmoil that you're having, which is, um, it's not, this is a Jonathan thing to, to have more turmoil in a decision-making process than, than the average bear. <laughs> sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> But it also speaks to the uh, the the integrity you want to have with the meaning of things, and you want to make sure that what you're doing is what you really it reflects what you honestly believe, and you don't want to violate relationally your relationship with God by making a decision that declares a lack of trust in Him, yeah, or a, or a refusal to be obedient to Him. These are complicated yeah. questions, and and uh, spoiler alert: we're not going to come up with the great answer for everybody who's listening. <laughs> I think it is yeah, super powerful to to process all of this. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to come to the place where you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling before God. 
and you make a decision and you make a faith decision. This is the big part because the scripture says whatever is not a faith is sin. So if you can't own this gun with faith, mm-hmm. if you can't uh, operate this gun with faith, no shame, no, right, no, yeah. no internal conflict uh, between you can do it with God watching, having God sitting in the corner watching you. You know, if you can do that, then you know you're in the right place. And if you can't do that, then until you can, you're kind of violating. And what a lot of us do is we just put blinders on our eyes and not think about that because it's yeah. disturbing. Yeah. Um, a scenario that pops in my head, and I want, I want to know how you feel about this. When I was thinking about this whole thing is I was thinking, say you, um, you're you at home and you hear a guy trying to break in or something. Um, uh, you... I, 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 my assumption was there's no way that I wouldn't prepare to fight in some way. Grab a bat, grab a, a knife, Would you a really? stick. Well, d- yeah. You, well, you shout. I don't know. Maybe you shout, say, I'm calling the cops. Then you grab whatever you can and you wait and you call the cops and, and hope for the best. Mm-hmm. And and I because I, what else would you do, right? Well, I was just imagining that in my head while you said it. Um, um, and again, a little context in my life. My mother was 11 years old when her father was shot to death by a home intruder mm-hmm. and and he tried to shoot her but was at, but the gun jammed and so he threw the gun down and ran so and and her mother was shot a couple times in the chest and survived so uh, my mother has lived her whole life very concerned about home invasion um, there were guns in the home I grew up in for this reason and so uh, I know that in my family context terrible things can happen mm-hmm and yet, as you and I were talking about earlier today, I've never locked my front door. You know, I do now, and I don't even know why I do. I guess because I have uh, an ease of access. I don't have to carry a key around. I've got a keypad on the door. Sure. Uh, I've just never been afraid of home invasion. And so uh, as you were saying that story, like, you know, you said I'd grab a bat. And I was thinking, well, what, what would I do? And I envisioned that I would shout from the bedroom. We are awake and we are here. We will not resist you, but we have called the police. Take whatever you can get, and we will not interfere. Hmm. Something like that, to let them know, I am not going to fight you. I'm not going to try to hurt you. Please don't hurt us. Police are on their way. Get what you can and get out. Um, Because I would assume they're not there to hurt me. Sure. That is um, not some like serial killer or something. It's right. A, uh, some... You right. Know, somebody, a thief. Yeah. So, I, you know, that just popped in my head right now. I've never pre-planned sure. that. I don't know if that's what I would do or not. I, I know that I've had times where I was afraid that I was hearing noises in the house over my lifetime. And and a lot of terror comes into your heart. And when I watch people on the movies, I'm like, why are you going downstairs? Like, hunker down, hide in the closet, <laughs> right. let them take whatever Roll they're the going to take. Over your head. Yeah. Okay. And then let them go. Uh, stuff is stuff. Stuff is not worth dying for. It, and yeah, it's, to me, it's not the the fear of losing stuff. It's the fear of having this a criminal in your home. That's the it's the the fortress, you know. Yeah. And, the, and so I guess and and another blind spot is I never thought why that was my assumption of what I would do, but then the rationale from that is well, if I have the bat and if I'm going to, if my assumption is I'm going to prepare for a mm-hmm. conflict, mm-hmm. then why not have a gun? They might have a gun. They have access to guns, same as I do. Yes. Um. And that was the rationale from then is, is if, if I'm going to use a bat, why not have a gun? Why, if, if we're, it's a right for, for our people, um, it's not an even playing field. Um, but I guess it, on paper, yours is the radical answer. 
I don't know that it is. It, it may be the lazy answer. That's the thing. Um, you can have the right answer mm-hmm. for all the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. And you can have the wrong answer for all the right reasons. So uh, I want to make one tiny point of uh, parenthetical, parenthetical clarity here for our listeners. Because recently on a T-minus 7, I think I was misunderstood. And so I've had an ongoing dialogue with someone uh, by email about one of our T-minus 7 episodes. And so I want to make this crystal clear. We do not have a position here that we're trying to get somebody to embrace. Mm. So we're not saying you ought to own guns, and we're not saying you should not own guns. We're not even saying there's a blanket answer that applies to all Christians. So I just want to make that crystal clear. We're wrestling together with this conversation in real time, and we do not have um, an answer that we think everybody should embrace. And what I do have serious problems with uh, is the um, the – intertwining of of conservative hoorah gun movement with Christianity. Right. Like the automatic assumption is, well, you're a Christian. Of course you're pro-Second Amendment, anti-gun control. Of course you have an AR and, and concealed carry, and you're just pumped to, to get the chance to shoot somebody. You and know? Th- that does lead to a broader conversation of how American is Christianity. And right. We've made it very American. <clears throat> yeah. And so to be a good American is to be a good Christian is the history of our country. And so... Uh, that does get blurred a lot for a lot of people. Yeah, and I have a, I have a very big problem with that. And I think the the mindset. Say I end up buying a gun. Um, it would be with uh, I think a sense of sadness, a sense of defeat. That it is. Oh. It is. You would be con- you would be conceding that the world is such that you need to do this. Yes, and not a I can't wait to carry this with me. And and I dare anybody to try me out there on the street. You know, I can't wait till right. somebody gives me a reason to and, do this. And this is a caricature of a gun-toting right. Confederate flag America. This right. is if you if you do conceal carry and you proud of it, no no shame on you at all. Um, but but the the idea that they are intrinsically linked, I think, is is messed up. I don't think it is. And uh, here's exactly. a pause. You know that that uh, and I want to tell this story, and then we'll pause for our new segment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's time for a break. Sure, I could use one. <laughs> um, but when you just said that, I remembered the church in Texas where the gun-toting ushers prevented a guy from killing many more people. Mm, and, sure. and and that, that outside the Walmart here in Tumwater, right here in Tumwater. So yeah. so you have a place where people would go. Thank God there was a um, a, a well-trained. He knew how to use his weapon. A person who protected other victims because who knows how long that would go on totally and so um man you could build a strong case for uh for gun gun ownership and responsible gun ownership and well-trained gun ownership turns out to be an angel a guardian angel for others who are vulnerable and cannot protect themselves yeah so there's a whole nother case to be made there and well let's do i'll, I'll save that point let's do uh, our, our new segment all right so it's time for show and tell and it's mm-hmm. my turn to have an item that i'm going to show and tell about and by the way we are adding to our website pictures of the things we show and tell about we started this with our second year so this being episode 54 last week was episode 53 and john did a show and tell about a pipe and um it was a very um never mind you can just listen to it if you haven't listened to it <laughs> And so a picture of that pipe will be on our website. Yeah, and, and I'll, I'll probably do it on our Instagram, either in a story or on oh, a yeah, post there you as go. well. And, uh, and so we're yeah. going to start. Uh, we have this new segment, and it's called Show and Tell. We're going to describe something to you. It's kind of it's our tongue-in-cheek show and tell when you can't 
see us. Yeah, in an audio format. Yeah, and see how well we can describe something to you. And then we'll actually have pictures of our show-and-tell items on our Instagram and on our website so you can see the item we were actually talking about. So, John, my show-and-tell item today um, is And, and I, I won't see it until you're done describing it, and then I will grade your, your description. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it is an item that was given to me. I, I'm going to say it was 20 years ago. It might have been closer to 30 years ago. Whoa. And um, this thing was given to me by my mother. And it is. it has been, since the day I got it, the one thing, if our house was on fire, I would run in and go get. And the one thing. The one thing. If I've got time to get one thing. Now, if i got time to get more than that, sure. I would get more than that. <laughs> but if I've got time to only grab one thing, I have said for years, this is the one thing I would go in and grab. And it is a photograph. <clears throat> and it's a large photograph. Hmm. And um, what's ironic about it is my mother saw it. It was a, uh, if I understand her right, and there's a lot of room there for me to misunderstand her. Um, it was an Oscar Mayer Wiener uh, campaign. You'd send in a bunch of proof of purchase deals, and you get this from them. And she ha- and it had, at the bottom of it, was the Oscar Mayer logo and stuff. And she cut that off and had it matted in frame for me. And so it is a picture of what at first glance you would think is a father and a son they are both dressed in baseball uniform and they are wearing the same number Mm -hmm. they're in the same exact posture leaning on a bat with their legs crossed in a classic old baseball stadium this is i've seen this yes this does break the game a little bit but but (laughs) you're doing a great job and so uh the reason i love this picture they're both leaning on a bat they're both wearing number 44. I'm a baseball nut. If you don't love baseball, you should read the book called Men at Work, and you will love baseball. You cannot read that book without falling in love with baseball. I had our, I had my daughter Julie read it, and she loves baseball really? because of that book. Yes. It is the great game, and it's a great history, and there's so much, there's so much attached to baseball. Totally. Anyway, what I love about this, this old stadium, you can't tell what stadium it is. I've had baseball aficionados. I've said, what stadium are they standing in? Nobody knows for sure. I've asked who this player is. We've gone through all kinds of discovery trying to find out who number 44 is in the ancient world of baseball. Nobody knows. The most common guess I get is Harmon Killebrew, but he didn't wear 44. And so I'm not sure uh, who this guy is. And he's looking down. And the little the little boy, who's clearly the bat boy, has got his elbow on a bat, and he's looking toward home plate, and they're just standing there. And the reason I love this photograph so much that I would go in and get it, I have hung it in prominent places ever since I got it. Mm-hmm. Normally, in my office at the church, um, when we pastored in Denver, we redid the men's room, men's restroom, to turn it into this really cool place that men would just feel like, oh, I love this room. <laughs> and so we painted the walls this kind of burgundy red and hung my baseball pictures in that restroom. And so for a wow. while, it was hanging in the men's room. It has been in my office, and now it hangs right here in our upstream studio. But um, the reason I love it is because I have been both people in this photograph. I have been the boy who has a man that I want to be just like Mm -hmm. who has shaped me where, you know, he's standing like him. He's acting like him. And one of the great gifts God has given me is a handful of men who at just the right time in my life have had enormous influence and uh, help for me Mm -hmm. in my life. Then I'm also the older guy 
who my biggest goal in life is to have a lot of people for whom they would say, he really helped me. And so uh, I think that's why I love it so much and the fact that it came from my mom. So uh, there it is. I don't know what size that would be, John. How big is this picture? The frame, mat, everything, the whole uh, thing? Two by three feet? Maybe? Yeah, maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, maybe three feet tall, two feet wide. It's not a small picture. And uh, I just love it. Do you do you have any love for this? You've I, seen it around. Forever. I'm all about this. Yeah, it's been around for as long as I've been alive. I think. Uh, I had no. You said it's an Oscar Mayer. Thing? Yeah, down here at the bottom, there was an Oscar Mayer uh, logo <laughs> thing, and she had that cut off, and then had the picture. Matt I had drink. no idea. I always thought it was so profound. It yeah. was the like, oh, Oscar Mayer Wiener <laughs> advertisement. What was it advertising? I have no idea. It was just something you could send in your Oscar Mayer labels, and that's Oscar Mayer bologna hot dogs. You know, just Oscar Mayer sure. processed meats. And you send in enough proof of purchases and you could get this picture. But it had this, I think my mom told me it had this Oscar Mayer logo at the bottom that you had. she had to cut off before they framed it. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan. I've always loved how the kid, the dad is looking at the kid. I, I've, I think of them as father and son, obviously. Yeah. But And the kid is uh, is looking away trying to act cool, which I find very funny. Right, and, he's, and, like, and he's, he's acting like he's nine feet tall. Yeah, and he's acting like, oh, I, like, I didn't do this on purpose. Like, like, like I don't know, he's not, he's yeah. not, he's he, not staring. Normally, he'd be staring at the dad admirably, and the dad would be staring away at something in Right, right. And this one, the kid's trying to act cool, and yeah. the dad is, is... He's too cool. Yeah, I always lean on my bat this way. Yeah, exactly. And the exactly. bat's almost as tall as he is. <laughs> he to, yeah, it's the same size. So the, the grown man's got his palm on the bat, and the yeah. little boy's got his elbow, because yeah. he's too short to yeah. palm it. I, yeah, I'm a big fan of this. It's a great picture. So there you go. We'll, we'll put a picture of that on Instagram and on our website. And uh, there's your show and tell segment. Nice. Okay, so now we're going to break for our commercial, and when we come back, we will uh, wrap we'll it up, wrap it up, and do our takeaways, and and see you guys in a sec. Upstream is supported by the faithful members of the Upstream team, listeners who give monthly through Patreon. This podcast is just one part of the Jim and John ministry. They also write weekly blogs, have published their first book, and are currently at work on more. Their desire is to produce transformational content as well as offer encouragement and coaching to others. The dream is to see a movement of people who are integrating the work of Jesus into their daily lives and who are joining Him on His mission to redeem and restore all things. Check out their website at jimandjohn.com where you can learn more about the father-son duo and gain access to all they have to offer. If you would like to join the Upstream team, Consider partnering with Jim and John on patreon.com slash Jim and John. A link is also available on the homepage of their website. And remember, there's no H in John. Now let's join Jim and John for the home stretch of today's conversation. All right, welcome back. And uh, and we'll keep saying this every time. Year two, episode two. And thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, it's been a, been a great thrill. We're, we're grateful. Super, super grateful. Yeah. And uh, and thanks for listening to our our wonderful commercial. I'm glad we don't have to ramble through that every time. Yeah, like that's we nice. used to. Yeah. Okay. So uh, last facet to this conversation that if I if I remember right, I, I've been thinking too quick for my own good. Um, uh, but the last one that kind of entered my head is the idea of a uh, a shepherd. So we talked a little bit about that um, dependency relationship, not quite dependency, but but um, responsibility where um, traditionally the man is responsible for the safety of the home. And, mm-hmm. and uh, the idea of uh, the man to his bride is like Christ to the church. That model is, is enforced. Uh, and uh, the, the idea of shepherding, protecting your flock, protecting those who rely on you mm-hmm. and just kind of altogether the, um, 
the reverence of the or or the um, priority of the safety of the the, the people for whom you are responsible. Exactly. So um, with that being, if I were to take on the um, role of Jesus to the church in my marriage, um, I would prioritize that safety pretty highly, probably. And it's it's tricky because there are these other human beings. It's not, um, well, in the Ephesians passage, he's talking yeah. about, he loved the church and gave himself up for it. Right. So the sacrificial nature of that relationship gotcha. is pointed there that you would in fact, take the bullet. You would be gotcha. the one who gives yourself up for their provision. So it's not so much a defender posture, but I think the principle is the same that when you think of the shepherd who has the staff and runs off the wolves and mm-hmm. protects the sheep, and that is certainly your role. When you think about uh, children as well, you are the provider and the protector of this home. And so you have to make a really a, a, a faith-anchored uh, personal decision about how you're going to execute that responsibility. Mm-hmm. So you're embracing, I am responsible for this. It is my responsibility to protect my home and my, my wife. How should I do that? You know, David defeated the bear and the lion, but he did it with his bare hands and they weren't human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, though he did kill plenty of other people. Yeah. Peter pulls a sword when they arrest Jesus, cuts off the, the ear. Jesus heals the ear and says, do you not know? I could call legions of angels right now and open a can of whoop butt on these people mm-hmm. right now. So it's not that Peter was wrong to have defended Jesus. He's just, Jesus is saying, this is the hour. This is the reason I came. So even in that scenario, Jesus is not correcting him for the effort to protect. In fact, he had told them, if you don't have a sword, get one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like hours before this yeah. interaction. So um, so this role of defender, shepherd, protector of your family. Yeah. Uh, quick side note. I've always respected that Luke did not name Peter in his recount, account of that story. <laughs> he just says a disciple. Mm-hmm. Or he might say apostle. I don't remember the word, but... Oh, it's cracked me up. He, he had Peter's back on that one. Yeah. Uh, Whereas John in the book of John uh, and the disciple whom Jesus loved. Yeah. Outran. The outran. Peter. <laughs> and then he stopped at the tomb and the disciple and the disciple Jesus loved went in. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. He seems to self elevate a lot there. It's so funny. Um, but yeah. And you think about uh, the, you know, uh, over and over again, the, our enemies are not other human beings. Mm-hmm. Um, they are uh, the principalities, the mm-hmm. the um, authorities, the spirits of this this world. So, um, so that that idea that I mentioned earlier that it would be that it is a tragedy to need a lethal weapon to protect yourself against other human beings, but it is a reality. So, and 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 the idea again that shepherd relationship. If I'm if I'm following that model, you think about yourself, a, a pastor of a, of a congregation, a leader mm-hmm. of a congregation. Uh, should they? carry weapons up on stage you know for in case in this crazy world we have people shooting up churches i don't yeah. know i feel a lot less comfortable with that one than i do of having one in your sure home. think about this um um you ever heard of the cross and the switchblade uh, yeah i have actually we had a uh I, I forget what church it was i think you were at college i think they brought him to the chapel maybe i don't know well i remember reading a comic book when i was really oh, little okay this, that they had made a a a Comic, a comic style, book, yeah, uh, recounting yeah. of this story. But you yeah. tell the story. Well, it's uh, um, uh, he had been. Uh, this guy was a gangster, and David Wilkerson was the guy, and um, he came to Robin, and and David Wilkerson is a is a pastor. He, he's a pastor. He's died now since then, but he he started Teen Challenge. Incredible man, and uh, I, Cruz. I want to say Cruz is the guy's name. I can't remember his name, but. Um, he was going to, you know, he pulls a knife on David Wilkerson, give me all your money. And Wilkerson just starts to tell him, hey, man, I love you. 
and God loves you. And he stopped telling me that. I, I'm going to tell you, I love you. I love you. He said, I can cut you into a thousand pieces. And he said, and all thousand of those pieces would be saying to you, I love you. And uh, he led him to Christ in the middle of this robbery. So he didn't use a weapon. He didn't defend. He didn't attack. He didn't, he didn't um, you know, dominate and right. subjugate the guy. Um, but these are, these are stories that, uh, again, that's why this has to be a faith conversation. Is God asking you to be so radical in this regard that I won't, you know, almost like a pacifist, I will not take another person's life. Mm-hmm. I won't do that. I will instead um, step out in this very precarious position and proclaim Jesus even to the death. Yeah. Um, or no, I'm going to protect my family. And I, and I think you can build a very strong case on both sides. And at the end of the day, John, for you to own a weapon is for you to reconcile this in your own mind so that you do not live with a sense that you're letting God down by owning a gun or living with the sense of regret if something terrible happened and you decided not to buy a gun and you could have saved your wife. Yeah, and I think uh, um, one of my takeaways was definitely uh, what you had said about the making sure that every everything you do, if it is not in faith, it is mm-hmm. sin. If it is not glorifying to God, then then don't do it. And uh, and we've talked about this before. Another big aha in our series of, of doing these episodes is uh, even neutral things in your life of balance. If your life is glorifying to God, those neutral things are glorifying to God. That's mm-hmm. part of your routine. So same thing that if if you are to make this decision, and whenever I do make this decision, which I got I got to say I still haven't really after this I still haven't really decided yet, mm-hmm. but but I feel better about it. It has helped you, yeah, because of this. That uh, if you can do it with no um, guilt, I was I was hesitant to even talk about this on the air before him because it was because of it's it's just a it's so such a touchy mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I could get that gun, have it in a home in a safe location ready. And, and if I could do that in, in great conscience before God, then, um, then there it is. And if yeah. I couldn't do that, then, then there that is. Yeah. So that, that's my big takeaway for the conversation. And it's a good one. And to go ahead and imagine that out in both scenarios. Okay. So home invasion, can I, before God with good conscience, pull that weapon out, defend my family, or would I regret, can I in good conscience, be the pacifist there and take a different approach yeah. because what you want to do is be able to live with yourself with the outcome either way. Hmm. And so I, I, I really admire, I, 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 sometimes I, um, I'm, I'm sorry for the burden you bear when you put yourself through this kind of grind to make a decision. Um, because sometimes you, you, you go uh, just, you're so concerned about getting the right decision that it can be uh, a little too much burden. Sure. Uh, but in this case, I've been really, um, I'm admiring the sobriety with which you want to make this decision and how you want it to accurately reflect what you do believe about God and what you do believe about God's call on your life as the husband and protector of your family. So, I, man, kudos to you. And I, I don't know if we've helped anybody to think through it, but what I hope we've <laughs> but, done yeah. is we've helped people not make a thoughtless decision. Sure. It's great to make thoughtful decisions and to make faith driven decisions. Yeah. And, and I think, I think it's just, um, the, the stakes are so high and, and our examples, our biblical examples are so extraordinary Yeah, and our modern day examples can be so extraordinary. Yeah, and, and, and I, the idea of the ever present idea of, um, the, the way that I think of things panning out, 
um, is is a third as cool as the way God <laughs> could have them pan out. Sure, you know, yeah, helping a, a whatever criminal besieging your house, helping them find their way to God is one million times cooler than um, fighting them, killing them, whatever, mm-hmm. having them. You know, well, either way, they probably get arrested. But anyway, so that's that's the struggle. But I appreciate you. I appreciate you saying that, and I'm glad that we have that we that I have you. Because mm-hmm. this is the kind of stuff that I worry about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what would I, would I Google it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, hey, thanks for listening in on this conversation. We hope it's been helpful to you. We would love to hear your feedback. This is one where I would love to hear where you land on this conversation. You can email us at info at jimandjohn.com. No H in the John. Mm-hmm. And you can follow us on Instagram. Um, subscribe. Tell a friend. Share the episode. We'd love to hear from you. And we're really grateful for who you are in our in our lives. Yeah, very much. And also, uh, there's a comment section on the website if you mm-hmm. if you if you prefer that. Mm-hmm. That'll also get to us through email. And then there's private messaging on Instagram. You can also do that. Nice. Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for listening. Have a tremendous day. In studio sound check for the first time in, in a, a long, long time. time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we crack yeah. ourselves up yeah